Michelle Easton, president of the Claire Booth Policy Institute. It's wonderful to see a room full of young conservative women here today, and I want to thank all of you for coming and welcoming me to our first afternoon with an author for the summer, featuring Stacy Dash. And a special welcome to the C-SPAN audience watching this all over the country, all over the world. We love C-SPAN at the Claire Booth Blues Policy Institute. At the Institute, our focus is providing young women with conservative role models and giving them the knowledge, confidence, and enthusiasm to fight for freedom, limited government, government, and moral values. The moral values our founding fathers believed in. And I am delighted to introduce our featured author today, whose story of redemption and courage is an inspiration for all women. You may remember Stacey Dash in the 1995 hit movie Clueless. This iconic film is set in a Beverly Hills high school, and Stacy plays the well-dressed friend of the attractive, wealthy, and spoiled main character, Cher. Stacy writes about Clueless in her brand new book titled, There Goes My Social Life, From Clueless to Conservative. And she chronicles her journey from a Hollywood liberal to an outspoken conservative. Once Stacy came out in Hollywood as a conservative, she began utilizing her unique position as a well-known actress to voice her opinions and encourage discussions on topics ranging from pop culture to critical policy issues. And she joined Fox News Channel two years ago and currently serves as a contributor and is a great addition to their show, The Five. Stacy has changed Hollywood and our country so much for the better. She has encouraged so many Americans, especially young women, like many of you in this room, to not be afraid to courageously speak out and work as hard as you can for what you truly believe in. Stacy makes us all stronger with her straightforward confidence, her tenacity, with the incredible transformation of her own life and her devotion to America's greatness. Please join me now in enjoying a minute of clips from Clueless and then in welcoming Stacy Dash. Both know what it's like to have people be jealous of us. Girlfriend! And I must give her snaps for her courageous fashion efforts. Okay, Cher. Dion and I were both named after great singers of the past who now do infomercials. Yeah, you're getting on the freeway! What? No, turn right! Get out of the way! 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 Lives and you're going to start this off by reading something that 
very important to me that I wrote. It's a poem by Ron Quinn called I Am. I am, and yet what I am, none cares or knows. My friends forsake me like a memory lost. I am the self-consumer of my woes. They rise and vanish in oblivious host, like shadows in love's frenzy, stifled prose. And yet I am, and live, and like vapors abhorred, like vapors tossed into the nothingness of scorn and noise, into the living sea of waking dreams where there is neither sense of life or joys, but the vast shipwreck of my life's esteem. Even the dearest that I love the best are strange, nay, rather stranger than the rest. I long for scenes where man hath never trod, a place where woman never smiled or wept, there to abide with my creator God, and sleep as I enchanted sweetly slept, untroubling and untroubled, where I lie the grass below, above the molten sky. Now, that poem is very important to me because the end part where it says, where I in childhood sweetly slept. I, unfortunately, never got to experience that. I never got to experience sleeping sweetly, untroubled. That wasn't my life. I saw my first dead body when I was three. And I have to say that wasn't the most traumatic thing. I mean, I could tell he was dead by the look in his eyes. But I did look him in his eyes. And what I saw was this intense peace. And suddenly, all of my fear went away. Because if you don't fear death, what is there to fear? I was three. After that, um, I have a sexual abuse incident happened and my parents had left me with a family that were taking care of me. I, I don't want to tell you too much because I want you to read the book. <laughs> I'm just going to give you little tastes. And that was difficult because I didn't want to be there. I wasn't safe. And um, they were drug addicts, so they didn't really think about that much. So I had to take care of myself. And I unfortunately didn't listen to the mother of the house who told me, you know, don't go into so-and-so's room. He asked, he was 16. And he offered me candy one day and I went in. I didn't listen. I didn't listen to what I was told. And so I came out and, um, and um, it was no way to do it. wasn't nice. Finally, my mother brings me home and I have a little brother, which was my joy. He was my, he was my little baby. And, um, but my parents were not well. They, they, were, they were worse. My mother tried to take her life. Uh, I saved her life because I found her. I was told to leave her alone, but I was a five-year-old. I was stubborn, and I'd like to do things my way. And so I went in and tried to wake her anyway. Couldn't. So I screamed for my cousins, and they came in the next day. And I knew she was taken away in an ambulance. Um, and then later realized that she tried to commit suicide. I had an uncle, my uncle Ferdinand. He was a very powerful figure. Um, I grew up in the South Bronx, and it was great because the kids, the neighborhood, everyone was like family. We played in the streets, we played jump rope and hopscotch and 
stick ball and we talked to each other and we ran around and played tag and played games. But there was also a dark element to the streets, I'm not going to lie. But I thankfully had an uncle who had a lot of prestige and power. And they knew I was his niece, so they knew, don't mess with Stacey. <laughs> Bad things will happen to you. Um, my uncle Freddie always told me, you're special, Stacey. Something about you is special. Do anything that you want to do in this life. Don't ever be anybody's trick. And when the Jesus train comes, make sure you're on it. Now, as a little girl, I got the Jesus part. The trick part, I was like, hmm, you must mean don't let people play tricks on me. <laughs> it wasn't until I was 12 and found out that he was a pimp that I realized that he was talking about something else. But anyway, um, he was my favorite uncle because he showed me love. So much love, he took care of me, and made me feel like I was special because my mother never did. My mother never told me I was pretty or beautiful or special or any of those things. And I feel like if your mother doesn't tell you, no matter who does in your life, it never stays. They can say it in magazines, they can say it on TV. You know, a man can tell you every day, but if your mother never tells you, it will never stay. So I'm still in search of that feeling of unbeautiful. I still have to wake up in the morning and say to myself, Stacey, you're worth it. You're good enough. It's still about. And I, I have to get that courage and that fortitude to stick to doing that from God. He's the only one that can make me feel I can do all these other things that you'll read about in the book, and I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been married three times, divorced three times, but I have two beautiful children. My son is special because I almost didn't have him. I, I was pregnant with him at a time where I was doing things I should not have been doing. I was doing drugs, and you think after being with parents who did drugs, I would know that. I did them in spite of myself. I did them to spite them. I did them because me being a good girl wasn't good enough. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do drugs. So instead of hurting them, I just hurt myself. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was so far along, I was in an abusive relationship. The man I was with was beating me on a daily basis. And I just thought, I can't bring a child into this world. This is not right. Like, I can't it's not the whole count. No. So they, they had to put me under, put the IV in me, but I was crying. I was crying. I was crying. I was crying. And I couldn't stop it. And now this is later on in my life. I've known how to teach myself how to stop crying. You know, I learned how to be mad instead of sad. But at this moment, I could not stop crying. And so I said to God, God, you have to tell me to do. I don't want to sign. I don't want to signal. You have to tell me what to do. Because this doesn't feel right. Something is wrong. And God spoke to me like I'm speaking to you right now. And he said, keep your son. He even told me it was a boy. I ripped the ivy out of my arms. I jumped up. The nurses thought I was crazy. The doctors thought I was crazy. Calm down, Stacy. what's wrong? But you, know, you get this feeling and you make that decision. You've got an ID. They're going to take it. They're going to take it. You know, I had to get it out of me. I had to get out of there. I was, I was keeping my baby. And my doctor said, just hold on. Let's do a sonogram. 
let's make sure everything's okay. And that was the best thing that he could have ever done because when we did that sonogram, I saw this little pea-sized heartbeat inside of me. And all I could think was, Jesus, how could you possibly imagine getting rid of this little life growing inside of me? And I just thought, it's you and me, kid. That's it. Because I knew the man I was with was not going to be around. And I knew the other man that was stalking me was going to not, not stop stalking me. But I was going to fight for me and for my son. My son suddenly made my life important. I stopped doing all drugs. I stopped doing anything bad for my body. Um, but I couldn't stop the outside things that were happening to me. Um, my son and I, I had my son, I got a job, thank God, you know, acting, my acting career was going well, everything was fine. Then my son turned three and uh, we had to move because, like I said, I was being stalked. And so he'd find out where I lived and so I'd move and I'd move and I'd move and I'd move. I'd move. I'd move about five or six times, I came in play, me and my little boy. And uh, at three years old, and when he was three years old, I got a gun because I said, that's enough. Enough is enough. And um, thankfully I did, because this man decided to break the door and off the hinges, come into the house. My son was asleep upstairs, and he beat me up. And so I ran upstairs, and I got my gun, and I tried to kill him. I tried to kill him. I shot at his head. I wanted him dead. Thank God I missed. But the moral to that story is <laughs> what I'm doing now at my age. Because I have a 12-year-old little girl, I've decided that I'm not, no longer going to have premarital sex. I'm not going to do it anymore. Because I now realize it is a part of my soul that is precious. And I, the only person that deserves that is the man that has vowed to God to stay with me for the rest of my life. I now understand what marriage is and how important it is and how important it is to children. And if I'm teaching that to my child, who's 12, no premarital sex, then I have to do the same thing. That's what he teaches by example. So that's what I'm doing. Um, my strength, I believe, to stand up for what I, I know to be true for me, and I know to be true and valuable to God, comes from God. And so when people say to me, Stacey, how do you take all the people again, all the backlash? It's not me. It's the grace of God. And all I can say to you girls is as you're growing, you know, there's so much that you're going to face and so many things that you're going to want to do and so many men that are going to want to make you want to do things. But remember, you're valuable. You're valuable. But before you're valuable, you're worthy. You're worthy of love, of God's love. We are grateful that God's love is unconditional, so He's always forgiven. And I believe it's never too soon, and it's never too late. So, with that, I'd like to now open it up to you. Ask me whatever you want. <laughs> Please don't be shy. Because, um, come on up, stand up and ask if you don't mind. 
Tracy, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing your very wonderful and compelling story. And it's very admirable that you opened up and shared this with all of us. I'm sure that your struggle has been a really um, difficult road. So I would say, what is, has been your biggest challenge with facing the world after you've had all these My biggest challenge is men. <laughs> I, I want to be loved. I want to be married. And my biggest challenge is sticking to my vow to God. That is my biggest challenge because I love love. And um, I have to learn how to just take it slow and trust God that he will come. My night and shine it over.
conversion to conservatism and your desire and resolve to go into more of the political sphere? Yes, absolutely. Because I feel like our country is falling into the wrong hands and it's becoming darker and darker. And I don't want that. I do not want um, that dark, evil presence to take over our world. I want to fight to make that happen. I wanted to give my life to them. That's Thank what I want to do. Thank you. Hi, Stacey. Hi. My name is Hartley. Um, I'm from outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I go to a small school called Burnout. And it happens to be all girls and it's very liberal. Um, my professors, my advisors, the students, I 100% stick out like a sore thumb. Right. Um, so I'm a poli-sci major, so we do debate things in class, we talk about things, and I tend to get shut down a lot. And um, I've been told to bite my tongue, and it gets to the point where like, I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to talk about um, what I believe in. So what's your advice? Do not, do not get to them. Do not, do, do not let them do that to you. Do not let anyone scare you into submission. No. If anything, let it feed your fire. Let it make you study harder. That make you find out more things. I, I want you to YouTube a video from William F. Buckley and James Baldwin at Cambridge University in 1964. It's an amazing debate, and every one of you should watch it. It's, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, stand up. No, don't. Do not give in. God is with you. Hi, uh, my name is Raina Glass. I go to Free Hartman University in Henderson, Tennessee. Um, I'll be a senior this year, and so I think a lot of us kind of are intimidated, so we have the same problem of finding like the next step for ourselves in life and some direction. Um, so especially as young conservative women, what like programs or platforms would you recommend so that um, we're not, we don't feel like a silent kind of majority of women? Um, so how do we, or some platforms and programs that you would recommend for us to join in with to help uh, be heard? Yeah, well, well, especially now with the election going on, uh, I, my, my, the thing I really want to do is try and educate people who are disenfranchised, you know, um, don't get to have the education that we, we, we might get to have now or know to get to. I mean, go and talk to people in places you might not want to go and talk to people and share what you know what's good and try and we, we've got to break that narrative that the Democrats have been feeding to the country, that plantation mentality they've been feeding to everyone. You know, that you know, this is as far as you get to go. You, you can't do everything. You can't achieve everything you want. There's not enough to go around. Because then you know what they're doing? They're putting a limit on our God. And it's God does God have limits? No, he does not. So we would do you. Hey, my name is, uh, is it oh. <laughs> Hi, Stacey. Um, my name is Mills Hayes, and I go to the University of South Carolina. And I was just wondering your opinion as a conservative woman um, with our presumptive uh, Republican nominee being Donald Trump. And he's been in the media a lot for kind of saying some inappropriate things about women, kind of sexist comments and racist comments. How do you feel as a woman? Do you feel that those are accurate, or how do you feel about this? I don't feel like they're accurate at all. 
I, I don't even, they, they can never tell me anything specific other than, you know, something that even, I remember the thing with Megyn Kelly, but it seemed like it was some kind of little, in an argument, they, they had some kind of rift between them, that's what it seemed like to me, something personal. But what I would say is, look at his children, look at his daughter, his wife, his wives, look at them, you know, they seem very happy and respected and loved, and that's what I look at. That tells me a lot about him. It's what his family looks like. Hi, um, my name's Hannah, and I go to Liberty University. Um, I was just wondering, you seem very strong in your Christian faith, and going to Liberty, um, if any of you are familiar with it, it's very easy to talk to people about your faith. Um, but I mean, coming into the political world. Um, and just like coming coming out of liberty and like coming into society, how would you, how do you like share your faith um, without making it seem like you're like stuffing it down people's throats? Like, Well, I just give my own personal experience, you know. I just say it from my own heart, what, what God has done for me. You know, and I thank God for myself. I never say, you know, you have to do this. I make suggestions like I just did, you know. I suggest you try this and don't want to, then you don't want to, that's your choice, but you know, hey, <laughs> I'm going to be on the Jesus train, I always say. I want to ask maybe the last two questions, unless there's more. One, what is your issue that you care the most about, the policy issue? And two, please tell us about making that movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My policy issue I care most about is defeating ISIS. I care the most about defeating ISIS because until we do that, I don't, I, don't, I won't feel like we've achieved the greatness as a country that we can. And we have to prove to the world that we care about everybody, that we're not just these selfish Americans who sit on our high horses and think we're better than everybody else. That's not who we are. We're, we love people, we care about people, and we are the strongest country in the world. So it's our responsibility to take care of those who can't take care of them. So that's my, my biggest issue. And the movie, well, <laughs> that was just a, a joy. Every single day was fantastic. As much fun as you see, is as much fun as we had every day on the set. We joked, we laughed, we never had an argument or a fight. And on a film, that's very rare. It's really rare. But we all gelled. We all fit together. We all beat like a heart. It was like a heartbeat. And that, that, that was his main thing. In the casting process, we had to read with each other before she chose us. You know, she, she made us read with each person to see how your chemistry was with that person. And we just all had this amazing chemistry. And I believe it was a movie that was blessed. And I'm so proud to be a part of it. It was so much fun.
lot of projection.